What's up, y'all? You're listening to the Miyagi Nation podcast, a special episode. We're going to recap Texas A&M's men's basketball season. The Aggies, of course, fell to Penn State in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Uh, we got Travis Brown up here. He's still in Iowa, up in Des Moines. Travis, has it, has it gotten any warmer up there? No, and in fact, it was snowing again a few minutes ago. Just kind of some wispy, wispy flakes, but it was cold. It was... uh felt like uh eight degrees last night so chilly nights and the, well, the basketball was as bleak as the weather yeah i was gonna say uh, you know a, a very bitter end to what really was kind of a surprising and successful season for a&m in a lot of ways yeah they got away with from everything that they were good at this season the, the way that they won games was they uh, got to the the rim with dribble penetration um and, and some post entry passes to Julius Marble and Henry Coleman uh i believe it was 39% of their shots their field goal attempts this season came at the rim uh which was ninth in the country uh yesterday they only had eight shot attempts out of 59 at the rim they just completely went away from that um that whole game plan, which if they don't make the shots, they usually draw fouls, get to the free throw line. They were first in the country in free throw attempts and free throw makes uh, uh, this season. And and they, there was none of that. There was just a lot of three point shooting. I, I know a lot of people, if you look at the Twitter and the, the internet and the, the people complaining, it's a lot of talking about the game plan. And I think there was some to that, but if you looked at the way that uh, Penn state was playing defense, they were kind of pulling a book, a, a, a page out of Buzz Williams' book. They were stacking the paint, uh, putting a lot of bodies in there, and um, they're also just really good defenders. Early in the game, they're running their set called Horns, which they can run a couple different wrinkles out of it, but one of them is to run two guards around the backside and, and get both of them on uh, double picks from two of the forwards that either opens up a three-point shot or should then clear out a whole lot of the defense to one side of the floor and op open up a lane to dribble uh, down the middle. Well, every time they got the ball, they switched off their screens quickly, and it seemed like whoever had the guard, whoever took the handoff from the, the screen had no room to dribble penetrate. Uh, and there really wasn't much of a roll off of there. Uh, the, the guy was was trapped right off of there. So it wasn't like he was going to be able to make a pass off the roll. And then he had to pull it back and start the offense all over. They just were playing good defense against dribble penetration. And AM couldn't find any. And I think that was a big part of the loss because uh, Penn State had a, had a historic night shooting. I mean, 13 of, uh, let's see, it was... Uh, uh, 13 of 22 from three points. Uh, Andrew Funk, the guard, eight of 10. Eight was the most um, three-pointers a single player has shot against AM this season. It also ties for number two all-time against AM uh, in, in their record book. And the most threes they'd given up by a team this year was 10 in that blowout loss to Colorado early in the season. So you can talk also a lot about the way AM's offense looked inept, but anytime you have a team uh going uh 13 for 22 from three-point line and a guy going eight for 10, that's hard. That's gonna be hard to overcome anyway. And we could talk a little bit about the defense too. Um, AM's defense. There was problems there uh as well, but so much of that was what Jalen Pickett was what was doing and the kind of player he is. It, it, correct me if I'm wrong, Alex, but I that that post up 
kind of uh, back down type of style Pickett does. I mean, it's kind of reminiscent of the old guy at the YMCA pickup game. Is it not just putting Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, he was just so savvy with the ball. It was like, whatever AM did, it didn't matter because he was going to find a way to either create a shot, which most often than not he made, or he was going to be able to find an open shooter. And like you already mentioned, Travis, Penn state was just scolding hot from on the offensive end last night. I mean, it, it seemed like they couldn't miss. Here, here was the difference between Pickett and most of the guards that AM faced here. He was strong because, right. you know, with some of the quicker guys, you there's a couple of different guys that AM could put on them defensively. You could put Dexter Dennis on him. You could put Tyrese Radford on him. You could even put Wade Taylor on some of those guards because he's pretty quick uh, and, and his steal percentage, he, he can force some turnovers. Wade Taylor was nowhere near close to strong enough to be able to, to, guard picket because he would just back him down and push into him and push him all the way to the basket and then have an easy uh, turnaround layup or kind of hook shot. Um, and then he, that, so then that made AM try to pick once funk got hot, they moved Dexter Dennis over to funk uh, and then had to pick who they wanted to put on picket. Sometimes it was Tyrese Radford who Radford almost wasn't even strong enough to uh, defend him one-on-one. Sometimes they got switched off and it was Wade Taylor. Uh, And in those instances, then they had to bring help over, whether it was Henry Coleman or whoever the low man was. And that opened up either uh, a shot from the outside with whoever was standing out there or a little dish pass to the weak side of the basket and an easy layup. I mean, it it was a really well done, um, defensive or offensive strategy that was just a bad matchup for AM. You know, Travis, you've already gone into the nitty-gritty of it. I think anyone going into the game knew that this could be a challenging matchup for AM just on paper, looking at it. And when you play in the NCAA tournament, everybody talks about how matchups are so critical. Just were you so or were you were you surprised maybe that AM looked so discombobulated on both ends of the floor for most of the game? Not really, because as we said, it was it was just a bad matchup for AM. The question was asked after the game, uh, actually about Kirk Bowles, the Austin American statesman, was Penn State, you know, a lot of talk about AM being better than a seven seed. Was Penn State better than a 10 seed? Uh, their record pretty much proved that that was where they should be, their analytics and everything. But that's one of the best 10 seeds I think you'll see in the field with the way that they're able to shoot the three, with the way that Pickett is able to dis- dis- uh, distribute. And frankly, of all that three point talk, the way that they play defense, I think their defense, the way they played that had dictated more about AM's inept ability to do really anything than anything else on the floor because they completely negated AM's ability to dribble penetrate, forced them to shoot from the outside. And AM isn't a great outside shooting team. Um, so I'm not surprised. And I, I leaned over and told some of the people sitting around me early in the game if. Penn State comes out and hits a couple threes early, it's over because AM can't keep up with that style of offense. Well, Travis, I think a lot of people are gonna look at this last game and kind of, you know, have a have a sour look at AM season uh based on, you know, maybe some of the potential or the expectations going into the tournament. How do you how do you look back on this season and kind of evaluate whether it was a success or not? 
I think, of course, expectations and evaluations change as seasons go and play out. But I think really and truly the main expectation of this season for AM and AM's fans were was just to get back to the NCAA tournament. And I think that's what anybody would have said a success was when the season started out. I think expectations probably rose a little bit with what AM was able to do through conference play and the kind of team they presented to be. But ultimately, when you look at what the expectation was for the season, it was to make the big dance. And AM made it. Um, and I, I, so I think that you have to say the season was a success, especially when you then go back and look at the fact that they finished second in the SEC. They uh, won more games in the SEC than any team since 2012 when they joined the conference. Um, they finished second in the uh, SEC tournament and returned to the finals for the second year in a row. Um, everything about this team from January on come save yesterday um, was overachieving. And so I think that you have to say that that was uh, a really big success. And you can look at some of the individual development. Wade Taylor was went from a role point guard last year to an All-SEC player and on the verge of an All-American this year. That's huge development. Julius Marble um, turned into a completely different player this year. Dexter Dennis turned into a completely different player this year. Tyrese Radford has continued to grow. And I mean, you look at a guy who at Virginia Tech was not, couldn't hit a three-pointer. And now he's able to um, have a really well-rounded offensive game. And like a guy like Anderson Garcia, who um, was just a low number average kind of guy, came in, was pretty much six man of the year for, for A&M and um, oftentimes was their best rebounder and forced Buzz Williams hands to keep either Henry Coleman or Julius Marble off the floor at times because he was just making such impact. So you look at those little individual developments and how players have grown um, from last season to this season. Um, I, I think that bodes well for the future. And I think that that is another mark of uh, success in the program. Travis, if you were, kind of giving out an accolade. Who do you think AM's MVP of the season was? I think the easy one, of course, is Wade Taylor. He, you know, put up great numbers, the high score, uh, all SEC player, everything like that. But man, I think it would be tough not to include both Dexter Dennis and, and Anderson Garcia in that conversation. I told a lot of people, Wade Taylor is going to be your points production. He's going to be your point guard. But if you really want to kind of get a feel for how AM as a team is doing, you look at Dexter Dennis. How is he playing defense? How is he getting rebounds? Um, is he getting a little bit of point production? Because that's icing on the cake uh, usually for, for AM. And so I, I probably would have to hand it to Dexter Dennis. But Anderson Garcia really could make an argument as that as well, because I think his emergence once conference play got um, here especially in his ability to rebound because that's so huge in, in the, the way AM plays. And, and I mean, look at it. If you go back and look at the second half of the conference season, AM was not a good shooting team from the field, but the way that they were able to stay in these games and win them was to get to the free throw line, make free throws and get offensive rebounds and, and high percentage second chance points. Uh, and that's what helped keep them in games. And Anderson Garcia was a huge part of that. So any one of those three guys, I think, um, it could could have a could have a say in best player of the season. So you're telling me Andy's coming for the MVP? <laughs> I mean, you know, it, it, well, you talk about that development too. If they can work with him to get a little bit more of a, a scoring presence um, next season, I mean, think about the kind of player that that he could be. He could be pushing 
Henry Colin or Julius Marble for a starting position. And if you kind of look at Henry's inability sometimes to, to handle the ball in pressure situations, I mean, uh, you, you get a scoring presence with Anderson Garcia. Like I said, he could be pushing one of those guys for, for the starting forward position. Well, you know, Travis, AM season ended on a low note. What was maybe maybe the high of the season in your opinion uh, as they went through that run? Uh, I mean, I think you got to say it's the the home season ending win against Alabama. Um, the hype that was around the game, you had people camping out all week. Um, if Alabama, if if Auburn would have beat Alabama the week before, that would have been playing for the conference title. You got to think. College game day would have been there. Uh, it would have been where the kind of the center of the college basketball world was revolving around, and they ended up pulling off the win. So um, I think that that was the culmination of everything that had been building all season um, and what uh, a lot of the conversation was around when they hired Buzz. Were they going to get AM back to prominence in the SEC? Were they going to get AM back to the NCAA tournament? And were they going to get butts and seats in Reed Arena? Because for so long, um, those games have been empty and um, now you have kids camping out. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see how that momentum moves moving into next year, because uh, going out, I, I talked to a lot of the kids who are camping out, talking to students who are coming to games and stuff. So many of them are freshmen uh, who this is their first real experience with college basketball on campus. And, um, now the expectation is they're going to be good, they're going to be likable, and they're going to make NCAA tournaments. And as long as they kind of keep that mold, is that going to keep student interest strong in uh, a and basketball? That's going to be one of the big points to watch next season. Yeah, let's kind of shift gears and we'll kind of close with a few questions around the future. Just, you know, it's kind of it's kind of interesting to look at the trajectory of where AM's program's gone the last two years. I mean, this time two years ago, basketball was kind of dead in the water after kind of a shaky season riddled by COVID issues last year, of course, took a step forward this year, finally with the breakthrough of the NCAA tournament. What, where do you kind of see this program heading uh, as, as A&M moves forward into Buzz Williams? What will be his fifth season? The good news for A&M fans is the only player that they lose is Dexter Dennis. Um, barring any uh, transfer portal activity. Um, so you get Wade Taylor back and his all SEC performance. You get both your post Henry Colin, Julius Marble back. You get Anderson Garcia back. You get Boots Radford back, who is a senior and, and uh, Andre Gordon, who both are seniors, but um, look to appear to be exercising that extra COVID-19 season, fifth year season. Uh, heading into next year. Uh, so you get more development time for those guys. I think, like I was talking about, Anderson Garcia's development is going to be huge. Wade Taylor's development is going to be huge and how he handles um, adversity, how he handles when he does get up against where he's not the fastest, best guy on the floor and how he can take his game uh, uh, to the next level. Um, and then Manny Obasaki is a guy that early in the season, um, you know, Buzz always said that they have to have either uh, Tyrese Radford or Dexter Dennis on the floor at all times for their system to work and to have that defensive presence that can also score. Manny Obaski is the kind of heir apparent to being that guy. He's really athletic, and you saw at times, even though he was injured for most of the season, um, his athletic ability 
forced Buzz to get him back on the floor, even though he wasn't completely sure in the way that their offense and defense had changed over the season. Uh, and he made an impact in the Alabama game, and he made an impact in, in the Penn State game. Honestly, I thought coming out of the second half, they probably should have pulled Henry Coleman out of and given some of those minutes to Manny Obasiki and had Manny and Dexter on uh, Pickett and Funk and let almost face guard those two guys with with those because they had the athletic ability and the strength to do that. Dexter probably on Funk and Manny Obasiki because they did that a little bit at the end of the first half and it was successful. Now, the give and take there is you're not going to have the same kind of potential for offensive production as Henry Coleman has with Manny Obasiki, but another guy that can maybe dribble penetrate and get to the hole. Um, so I think his development is going to be really huge to try to fill a little bit of that void that uh, Dexter Dennis uh, is going to leave as being that lead defender um and then solomon washington too he's a little bit longer um he can play against those guys but you, you, he'll he's kind of that guy who can defend down in the paint but also get out and get a hand uh on on uh, perimeter shots um all of those guys are going to be huge and then of course this is college basketball there's going to be guys that leave there's going to be guys that come in via the transfer portal it does seem like 60% of the rosters usually change over in most sec so they're going to probably lose a guy or two, add a guy or two. And it would be great to see if they could get another shooter in there because it's kind of what failed them at the end of the year uh, and to see where they go in that regard um, moving forward. So uh, everything is in place. They're going to have an experienced, they should have a veteran lineup moving into next year. And as you look and watch March Madness unfold right now and some of these lower seeded teams beating the the higher seeded teams, it has a lot to do with experience. Uh, even though they maybe play in, lesser conferences have a lesser strength of schedule are a lower seed usually they're really senior heavy really experienced teams and a lot of times experience can just beat out raw talent AM will be poised to have both talent and experience next year not only just in college basketball but in buzz's system and i think that bodes well for the aggies you know something that you know i'm curious to see if it unfolds is from a resume standpoint, one of the reasons it seemed that Anum got knocked down maybe to a seven seed was non-conference play, non-conference strength of schedule. You know, Buzz made some moves to try and bolster what they could this season's non-conference schedule, and it and it, and it still wasn't quite enough. Do you, it, it's probably a little too early to tell, Travis, but do you think that they're going to maybe try and make a couple more moves to maybe try and get one or two more marquee games on the slate early yep. in? Buzz has already said as much. Last season, late in the progress, they dropped three games that were going to be quad four type games and replaced them with uh, Boise State, which ends up being a tournament team. Uh, I believe Memphis and or DePaul and SMU. Um, the, the problem with strength of schedule and non-conference right now is that with the transfer portal, you don't necessarily know what a team is, is going to be year to year you don't know if they're going to get that because one impact player can can make all of the difference i mean look jalen pickett for penn state was a, a transfer dexter dennis for AM was a transfer and that changed the the makeup the the ability of that team and so you don't quite know what a team is going to be season to season so williams said they went ahead and kind of followed the model of last year but instead of canceling games they've already they've left three uh slots open right now as they're going to analyze and try to figure out what the landscape looks like and try to fill those with a, with three um, higher 
ranked higher potential net teams to help bolster that non-conference slate. But it does seem with how much Buzz talked about the lack of transparency that he feels that there is in the seating and the the selection process that they are going to do some analysis and get some numbers to back up uh, their take on scheduling and they're really their take on how they approach the season um, and aims to getting themselves in the best possible situation for uh, the NCAA tournament. So I, th- I think there is something there. I think they are going to look at that non-conference slate and they're already being proactive on that in leaving three dates open to try to fill those later in with teams that they think uh, could help bolster that resume a little bit more. Well, Travis, you got any closing thoughts as we wrap a bow on our coverage of this A&M men's basketball season? The, the biggest thing that needs to change from this year to next year, as I think we will continue to be covering NCAA tournaments with the A&M men's basketball team is the stupid cup rule at NCA turn are, are you aware of this the cup rule cup rule so is, so and I, I can't like, I can't I can't be uh look a gift horse in the mouth because they have all of these sodas and and snacks for us in the media room and that's great you can go in and grab a free coke zero crack it open drink it at any time you want fantastic but because of weird sponsorship things there's all these stacks of blue NCAA cups by the entrance and you have to pour the entire contents of your can into the cup and carry that out to the stadium with you. And like you're on the front row. I'm always so worried that a basketball is going to fly in, knock over the cup, spill all over my laptop. It happened to the uh, express news is Nick Moyle today spilled the cup of soda. Like here's my, here's my take. A little media gift, little little cheap plastic cup with the top on it. Give it to all the media members and say, here's your cup for the day. And then you can put some kind of branding on it. You can get it sponsored. You can get it paid for. And then everybody can just put it in the cup and it has a nice little top on it, little sippy cup for us babies. And that way we can't spill it all over our laptops and it'll be great. That's that's all I have to say. That's my one critique of the season and the NCAA tournament. Buzz is going to get data about the selection committee process. Travis is going to get data about serious pro cups, serious cup data. It's that is coming. big J journalism folks. I'm going to have a packet, a paper, paper packet next year with all of cup stats and hand it out to everybody. Travis, you did a great job covering AM men's basketball this season. I enjoy getting to talk with you. Safe travels home from Iowa. And, uh, Hey, Anum baseball, they're hosting number one LSU this weekend, and uh, spring football starts Monday, so we'll be rolling right into the next line of thought. It never stops. It never stops. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the My Nation podcast. Be sure to check all of Travis's coverage on AM's run in the NCAA tournament at theeagle.com. And until next time, we'll see you.